Hi, thanks for tuning in to episode three of Stories from the Scene. Today, Music Victoria's mental health clinician, Bree Chapman-Stewart, talks with Glenn Benton. Supported with funding from the Victorian State Government, Bree joins our team to provide the Victorian music community with free confidential mental health services and business support. Glenn is a person-centred humanistic psychotherapist who has his own lived experience of childhood trauma. Glenn has worked across suicide prevention, men's health, as well as working with Aboriginal and First Nations mental health. Glenn has played music his whole life across various projects, with his current focus, Anavai, a project self-empowered by Glenn's spirituality. Glenn plays every instrument in the project and all albums are self-produced. This episode is also featured on Bree's podcast, Feels, which cleverly brings comedy together with interesting conversations about mental health and well-being. In the show notes, we'll include links to Bree's podcast, where you can find more about Glenn's work and where you can access Bree's mental health support services through Music Victoria. In the episode, they chat about healing childhood trauma, spirituality and mental health, how Glenn's music is an outlet for his feelings and informs his work as a therapist, and much more. So now I'm pleased to bring you Bree Chapman-Stewart and Glenn Benton. just want to stuff a big wad of thank yous in your pocket because today we're going to have a really delicious, delicious and nutritious chat uh, in the sense that you have this incredible music project, Anavai, that you've just released and you're an exceptionally skilled psychotherapist with experience in like a lot of different funnels of mental health. So in terms of feeling all your feelings and all the things I keep trying to do here, it's like a perfect blend of creativity experience in mental health as a practitioner then also experience with your own trauma or or uh, mental health recovery so before we do talk about your music I'm wondering if you don't mind can we get like a brief overview as to your time in the mental health sector I guess the work you've done as a psychotherapist but also why did you want to become a mental health therapist it's it's so interesting you know because like so many times you do that I don't know, I, and I always feel like so many other colleagues and stuff have got these great responses to that question, and then I always feel like I just freak out every time somebody asks me that question. So um, I'll do the best I can. But um, yeah, look, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm really open about like what inspires me to do this work. Yeah, having my own lived experience, I think of, of. Uh, the type of things that I, I want to try to help people to understand and and integrate and transcend, I think. Um, and I think that's why, yeah, like I've been really interested in that word over the last few years, transcend, you know, because um, I think that's what mm-hmm. so many of us are trying to do uh, in this world. And I think there's it's always been a fascination of mine um, as a person who does come from like a long family line of some pretty heavy stuff of people, I've been fascinated by people who have transcended that, you know, their own life experience. And I, I think I've, I've seen like mm-hmm. artists do that and different, different professionals do that. And I, I guess I'm just trying to do my best to do that as well. And I think, I've, yeah, I've worked for a bunch of different organizations over the years, um, done some private practice work. Um, but yeah, basically I'm a, a, a counselor and a therapist and a person who's trying to, I guess, live, live what they do, I think as best I can. Yeah. 
That's wicked. And you, when you're talking about transcending and you did make brief mention there of your own family's journey and some intergenerational things that are at play there, we, we were talking before, prior to pressing the record button, about a, a, a small up-and-coming sanitary podcast hosted by a guy called Joseph Rogan. And, you know, you know, you've got to really deep dive into Google if you want to get amongst it. But he actually mentioned on one of his podcasts years ago about the notion of having kids, how he was actually concerned. How do you give your kids a good life but inject them with enough trauma and shitty experiences <laughs> that they yeah. actually work hard at transcending? And, and you know, there is this kind of peace in having a shitty or a rougher time that does make you some or tends to either make you a total asshole or it makes you someone who is looking to emotionally transcend to do bigger and better things um have you found that for you and your work and with yourself have you seen a bit of a theme there like with intergenerational trauma can actually do can you just explain what that is because i think a lot of people listening don't actually know what that is yeah okay um i guess also for me i'm i'm um I'm Aboriginal heritage. I'm um, Wiradjuri background, which is like, uh, you know, New South Wales, mm -hmm. Dubbo area. And I do also acknowledge the traditional owners of the land all over the nation, um, pay my respects to elders past, present and future and any Aboriginal people listening to this podcast. Um, but that in, that in itself has been um, a, some, a journey for me, you know, because I don't know if people are like, if you're listening to this podcast rather than watching it, you would look at me and probably go, oh, that's I wouldn't have thought that. And I, I tend to say I'm of Aboriginal heritage because I also honour like my mum's history as well. Um, she's a she's a, a Canadian heritage person. So there's all, you know, I'm a kind of a fruit salad like so many of us are these days. But I started to understand more deeply my own intergenerational trauma experience when I went to university and I started to learn about that stuff and I would hear things you know, we talk about the gap, you know, like with Aboriginal communities. And there were so many things um, to do with that, you know, the low self-esteem stuff, um, the, the, some of the, the passed on abuse, the violence, um, the, the, yeah, drug addiction, the, all the stuff, you know. And I started going like, yep, tick, I've seen that in my family, tick, I've seen that. But I always premise as well, like whenever I talk about this stuff, nothing but respect for anyone, my family, my ancestors, because intergenerational trauma is, is a wound that gets passed down. So I tend to look at it like a metaphor is like, um, you know, when a parent burns themselves on the stove and, um, you know, and then because the parent is in so much pain because of the burn, they might do something that they therefore regret to the child doing the best they can at the time to cope with that burn, cope with that pain. It's still getting passed down, Far out, man. you know? So that I think is like, yeah, it, it's, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think metaphors are really helpful with this type of stuff because a lot of issues of the mind are quite abstract. So, I'm a big fan of metaphors. Sometimes I'll make a metaphor, like if I'm talking to someone and I'll, but that did, sorry, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> but other times I'm like, yep, yeah, you know, um, yeah. And I think it is, it's kind of like a wound that gets passed down throughout the generations. And that's where you have chain breakers, people that make a decision to cope with the inertia 
of breaking the chain, of stopping, you know, and healing that wound. Which is a fucking task, team. It's a, it's a task and a half. And actually, yeah. for anyone that's listening that's doing that, and, and G-Money, I know you're, you're one of these people, uh, you may not even really feel the full the full fruits of your labor, as they say, in this lifetime. It is, to a degree, quite a big task because it is a very selfless thing to do in many respects. That's just my take on it. I think you mm. certainly, certainly, like, mm. I, I'm, I'm one of the little circuit breakers in, in mine, and whew, it's a lot of work. You're talking, at the end of the day, your own developmental coping mechanisms, and then... <laughs> the intergenerational ones and you've mentioned you know your aboriginal heritage yeah. and that's a, another another layer that's another layer for you to mm. to rejig yeah but that, but that it's interesting though because that's like when you and i first kind of met which is like i don't know like four years ago or something now three four years ago. Like i remember when we first met and i could feel that in you i could feel like this is a person who has been through some stuff and is trying to do some alchemy and I love the, the way that you like everything that you do whether it be this podcast or the work you do you're a person who strives to live what your vocation is and I yeah I is I support and I I uplift anybody who does that because I think the more people we have in this world that do that the better you know a hundred percent got the same uh I mean, I feel like our energy just sort of mirrored, didn't it? Even if the stories weren't exactly the same, the experience had kind of called, I feel like we both have been called upon to kind of alchemize and I always sort of see it. It's like, you know, pouring gold through like these cracks of our psyches. Like you want to just fuse it together with this whole new experience. But um, it's funny you use that word because the big turning point for me as a young person, classic is uh, The Alchemist. That book was the turning point for me, like legit of being like, which is such a, it's a funny thing because you kind of go, ah, spiritual wanker over here. It was The Alchemist that turned me around. But it's like legitimately such a small, simple book for a young person who's struggling to kind of go, you actually, it's going to be hard work, but you you actually can completely push against the grain here and shift things. Yeah. I feel like we overshoot it though sometimes. You know, we try to look for things that are so complicated to answer questions. Um, and I, I am a big fan of that book as well. Like I love, I kind of don't want to give away the ending as well because <laughs> people decided to go and read it, but I love the simplicity of the ending, let me say that. Um, this idea of, uh, yeah, having to take the journey in order to, yeah, find where you are now, I guess. And in the last few years, I've discovered like sacred geometry and stuff like that. And if I'm anyone like your listeners who aren't familiar with it to go check it out. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of the, it's the, the, the mathematic, um, equation that is, is built into all these different areas of nature. It's actually built into our faces as well that the the geometric patterns you know like in in flowers and succulents and, and literally stuff like everywhere that. Um, is the idea absolutely everywhere, yeah isn't it yeah yeah and it i feel like that's that we you know we in our minds we complicate things so much and we try to figure things out 
as if we're in this place and I strongly believe and I think this is what the journey I've been on over the past few years and the album and all that stuff reflects is I've kind of not only discovered but like I know that I'm I'm part of this now you know the transcendence for me is not just to transcend trauma and abuse it's to also to transcend this just this bullshit idea that we've just woken up in this place like these lost creatures like we're in the chain just the same as any other animal and we have a job to do here and um yeah i'm still trying to figure out exactly what that is for me but i think there's so many messages and 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 guidance um that can be found in nature and in yeah the natural laws of the universe i guess that are way less complicated than some of this other stuff that we sometimes consult to try to find answers you know i'm glad uh you brought this up dude because i haven't yet delved into the more jungian uh side of things with this podcast or into the kind of laws of the universe or quantum physics sort of stuff i haven't Mm. Of course, done all the kind of, I refer to it in a comedic way, a spiritual bypass. Uh, you know, there's so many different things that can help to kind of make sense of this fun way experience <laughs> we're all having. And, um, you know, the sacred geometry and Tibetan Buddhism is a whole range of things. But um, what I would say to people is what I discovered when I was doing that work, which was actually probably when you and I worked together, was probably classically around in my late 20s. That was the time that I felt like, oh, what's this? And it's actually that what I learned is it's really simple. Exactly what you just said. It's as simple as observing and kind of letting go of the the, the overcomplicated cognitions. Um and it's weird as, yeah. as I get older, I find myself having my cup of coffee in the morning and watching my dog run outside each morning. Mm. He does a poo mm. and he primitively needs to scuff. He scuffs and he scuffs because for thousands of years, dogs have scuffed after taking a shit. Then he goes, he sniffs yeah. around. He, he finds some things to pretend he's going to hunt because I've domesticated the shit out of him. <laughs> so of all my ancestors. And that's him in the background. That is the universe right there. Um, but you know what I mean? And I look at him and he's got purpose every day. He understands, he understands his piece of the puzzle. And I think when you're talking about this kind of making sense of these abstractions of being human, do you find that, did you find that in your work, uh, when you're doing your counseling work as well, as well as yourself? Are you finding that, that people are kind of, that's the confusion? Mm. Well, I think the main thing I've found from doing the work I've done is, like I think before we were talking, I was talking about where I came from, you know, and like when I was 18, I didn't even know what taxes were. I was homeless for a time um, here and there in my life and I used to turn up to gigs back in the day with plastic bags, with like my clothes in plastic bags and I took a bit of heat from that from other people because they're like, who the fuck turns up to work with plastic bag? And for me that was that was normal and um, so I, I grew up with a lot of questions and I felt like I really – wanted to answer all those questions. So I think that's got so much to do with why I got into this type of work. But I've also, I remember my first experience of 
I know I'm so funny with this word, the empath, you know, like the internet has this way of taking something so simple and so lovely, like the idea of somebody having an incredibly high level of ability to experience emotions, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to turn that into something mystical and something that so many people just go, that's ridiculous. Um, And I do think, you know, like if you've got a person over this side who's incredibly logically intelligent, which we acknowledge to be totally true and rational why is it that we can't have people on this other side of the spectrum who are extremely emotionally intelligent and i've grappled with that in myself even since i was five years old remember my first experience i saw this this old man when i was five years old and looking back i felt this emotional reaction that was not an emotional reaction that a five-year-old would normally have i think it was this deep sorrow and that's, I think, happened over my life where I've just been, I've just felt for, I've, you know, I've kind of, I guess, being a musician and a creative, mm. I've had to um, learn how to, how to monitor that and how to regulate that, you know. I think when I was doing suicide prevention, you know, around about the time when you and I first met, I, got, I came to an even deeper realisation of like how many people there are actually in the world, you know. Like it's easy to say, oh, there's, you know, 7 billion or 7.5 billion people. But when you're doing, you know, work like that and you see um, people in need coming in again and again and again and again and you work your butt off the whole time, giving, 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 and then as you leave, there's more people coming in. And then you come in again for your next shift or your next appointment, whatever. And there's more. And it is that starfish thing, you know, of like you just throw as many starfish back in that we help as many people as you can. And I think it's it's helped me to realise like I think the internet's done that for people as well. It's helped us to realise the brevity of the planet, how many people there actually are, you know. And I think it's it's shown me how important it is and I think again like this is for me it's weird like I'm always really hesitant to kind of bring up the album stuff in situations like this because I don't want to come across as like oh yeah so this is the album you know to keep bringing it back to that but for me all this stuff ties together you know the counseling work the music all of it because I had this this real this realization a few years ago that I wasn't going deep enough in myself. I was telling all these people, hey, you should do this and you should do that. And I thought, after having heaps of counselling and everything and in my life I was like, I need to just, I need to go right down to the, and I was watching this interview a while ago with a Zen master and he said, I'm always a little uneasy around people who just think that spirituality, in inverted commas, is just about blissing out and breathing deeply. Yeah. And he said, true spirituality is about getting down into the shit as well. And and deep, dark, dirty, and low, man. Yeah. Like uh, I'm also, I think I think it's yeah, it's just a mismarketing. Because <laughs> marketing's yeah. gone wrong. Because you know, truly searching is a pain in the ass. Uh, it's actually churn you churn up a lot of dust before you see through yeah. it. So yeah, I- I'm not sure what's happened there. Mm. Well, you know, as human beings, we can corporatize anything. We can sell any, and I. I think we need to take a break on the general public. I feel like as I say that because 
I think we're just doing the best we can, you know? Like, mm. And it, when you talk about the empath thing, I wouldn't mind just expanding on that a bit for people that are listening because this is why I started this podcast, mm. dude. I mean, I, I was running a mental health blog that was relatively successful uh, back in 2014, 15, before I entered into mental health and you met me I was a wee bushy-eyed squirrel coming into crisis support online and uh the first thing I realized was I was just so blown away by the normality of some of these feelings you know and the everyone has an inner critic that's driving them to do different things right that was the first thing so but by this point and for you you've been been doing this a lot longer than me but by this point I'm like I forget when I'm out talking to the community. When I say community, I mean people who maybe mm. don't talk about their emotions, never been to therapy, and they're saying things like, oh, I feel like a dick because I reacted like this to this and now I have shame. And I'm like, you and seven people I spoke to yesterday, but they're also siloed and not understanding the commonality. With empathy, I totally agree. And, and you know... In my romantic relationship, I have a partner who's um, a very kind, beautiful person, but more of a logical being, and I'm a very feeling being. And Australia, New Zealand, and probably many other countries do have this thing around feelings and emotions, and um, that that's something to manage or regulate. And look, it's just interesting to me because something happened the other day where someone actually had a had a go at my partner in front of me and said oh you're just too emotional and it was interesting because if that person said to me you're too emotional I'd go 100% that's like mm. my thing you know <laughs> it's emotions mm. and talking about them my partner she's actually a bit more like she, she's a pretty sort of she's more from the head than the chest I'd say and what had happened in that moment is something had affected her and hurt her and she was reacting it was that simple and I got quite protective because I was like, what's that? What's what, that right there? You're too emotional. How often do we go, you're too logical. You're yeah. too uh, detached. And that's what, I, that's what I want this podcast to do, dude. So, like, I think it's brilliant you've brought up the concept of empathy because it's, it is funny how we perceive it. I, I kind of wonder if it'll come soon, you know, because, like, I mean, fat shaming is a thing now, you know, and I'm not saying I have an opinion on that either way. I'm just observing that things are changing as far as like they're used to be. Like I was watching some movie the other day from like 2004 and I was like, holy shit, man. Like I've already heard like 10 things in this film that this would be a wrap for these, for these people by now. They'd be canceled and that's it. And, you know, that's that's not. I mean, I just like to. Watch, I just well, I just watch that and see what happens with it. But mm. I wonder I, if we will continue to do that with the concept of empathy. You know, see, I used to work with guys a lot and like with men in counselling, and I'd every once in a while I'd have someone come through and say, "I was told to come and see you because people say I'm too sensitive," and. I need to need to figure that out. I need to stop doing that. And I'd always kind of rub my hands together and just go, awesome. I feel so honoured that I get a chance to kind of share with this person because what I would often share with that person is all this type of situation um, for somebody. I would say, well, 
that can be a curse or a gift depending on how you how you um how much room you make for it you know because people used to say that to me when I was a kid I was the sensitive kid and I think I've now kind of found a way to redirect that mm-hmm. um from you know something that used to cause me to say um you know binge on 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 substances or different things like that that would cause me to go kind mm-hmm. of you know kind of off my head a bit and lose that grounding and of course you know that happens from time to time it happens in different ways for me now but you know i've got this saying you're either grounded or you're not and there's plenty of times when i'm not and then it, i kind of go okay you know like this this lady behind me i kind of go, all right let's get back to it don't judge um and back to what I know to be true. But, yeah, I think that there's there's heaps of people out there that are wondering maybe why they're so sad or why they're so affected by all this stuff that's going on in the world right now. The thing is, is a lot of the people that control the information that we're getting at the moment are the logical people who mm-hmm. aren't maybe, I think, thinking enough about how it affects society you know, like it's, I think it's great that we're righting all these wrongs that we've done throughout history, but I also think that we still got to care for each other and love each other, you know. It's kind of like a group session. If I was running like a group session with a bunch of people and everyone just started yelling and screaming at each other and calling each other names, I, I'd probably go, hey, whoa, 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 let's just <laughs> let's remember why we're here. Just- just a minute and that's it it's 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 remembering why we're here while we're doing what we're doing just on that uh specifically with men mm. um how do, how does a man or a woman fuck it let's just go anyone mm. how do they begin to embrace the inner soft cock is there somewhere they can start i know that's a loaded question <laughs> but i i'm happy to embrace my inner soft cock and i'm yeah. happy to mm. it is who i am yeah it's been a long journey for me mm. um Mm. what's a good place to start for someone who is a bit ashamed of their sensitivity? Mm. Cool question. Well, I think we all have a child in us, you know, we all have that part of us that never grows up. And, you know, this idea of family systems theory, you know, we all have the mum, the dad, the sister, the brother, the whatever, the different parts of ourselves, the disciplinary, the nurturer, the naughty one, you know. Um, and depending on how we were treated when we were kids, for example, might have a direct, um, yeah, a direct, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it will affect how we, yeah, and it will impact how we choose to parent ourselves, for example, or how we regulate ourselves. Um, and I think all we can look at that little child, which I kind of feel like, the feelings are connected to the the child part of us, you know. Um, you know, and I think they're connected to all those parts of us. But I do feel like there's an element of that kind of that child that you know that that lives within us. And I think it's about looking within and checking in on how that part of us is going. Is that part of you like <clears throat> feeling? 
supported and nurtured through this kind of emotional moment or is that part of you hiding in the corner needing to be nurtured and needing attention you know um yeah i think mm. it's not it's not something that you can just kind of like stop and like so many people just go okay i have to get better at just daily, you know talking to that child well I just took myself through a process similar to what we're talking about and it took me like four years. It took me four years, man, before I – and that was after having some counselling and, well, you know, yeah, was after I thought I was done. I had to go back again and I'm still not done. I'm alive so I'm still not done, you know. That's it, yeah, it was if, if you're sucking the air and you're yeah. always – back and forthing with both the inner child I see number one and inner critic I see number two and and you need you know you need the you need the conversations to keep going you know and they're going to keep going until you die I think that it's just starting them isn't it it's starting to be aware of that and, and I think when you say oh the feelings come from the inner child it makes sense because when you're a kid you do just feel that's what you do and then as you get older you kind of start to problem solve and your brain takes over a bit more but um that's beautiful man and just with you know I do want to talk about your music because I had a really good listen to the album yesterday and when you're talking about kind of mm. you talk about the book The Alchemist before but you kind of come around full loop when I listen to this album I feel like I was hanging out with you at a, just a whole other time like it felt to me very progressive rock like in the 90s it just I fucking loved it. Number one, because your songs are just so meaty and chunky and delicious. And I don't even eat meat. Well, I do eat chicken. But these were like beef-sized songs, you know, like, which is just like, you know, like I love all the music that's coming out now, but you don't often get albums with nice, long, lengthy, emotional, visceral songs. So what, what you know, as someone who's also a very talented musician, What's the intersection there for you with this project? Mm. Well, if I, the first thing I'd say is thank you for that. That's really kind. Um, I Like I played professionally up until I think I was about 27, 28. And, uh, yeah, it's not that often that I play live anymore or put a lot of music and stuff out. So it's really kind to hear something like that. Um, yeah, thanks. It's It's definitely like basically the story with it is I – I, I I remember the moment that it happened. I was talking to a client and I I said something along the lines of like, well, you're just going to have to really commit to this and it's it's going to be hard and it's gonna, you're going to probably feel shame and all those things we say to people when we're trying to help to motivate them or, you know, um, help them to move themselves towards a change that will be hard. And then I realised like... Mm. I, I, you know what I realised was that, like, I had lived that musician identity my whole life, you know. Um, so when I was a kid, I, 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 yeah, I had some, like you said, I had some abuse go down. And I think what I noticed was I, 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 was, I was bullied a lot and picked on a lot when I was a kid because I was that sensitive kid. I was the the one that didn't fit in. I was the vulnerable one a lot. And uh, then in the sixth grade, people found out I could sing and I was pulled up on like, you know, the assembly or whatever. 
None, none of the teachers knew that it was going to like, oh, no, and I didn't know it was going to happen. And the teacher got me on stage and said, sing, brother. And, uh, and I did. And it just changed the way everybody treated me. I just noticed that like people saw me through that lens then, you know, like the singer guy, the muso guy. And I, I don't know, something clicked in my mind unconsciously of like, oh, if I do this, everything's okay. I don't get picked on. I don't get, cause it was like, cause I noticed that like it made my father like me more and it made people accept me. So I realized that I had lived through this identity my whole life and that manifested in lots of different ways. But I think one way it manifested musically was I had never really stopped and said, what, do I sound like what is my what is my authentic expression of this cluster of cells? And I thought, unless I can do that, because I had a, I had someone say to me once, the most important thing you can do for humanity is to come up with some type of original thought or original thing. And after they said that, I, I started to look at my own music in with much more. Um, constructive criticism and I go, no, 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 that doesn't, that's not you. That's nine inch nails, you know, or that's not you. That's Michael Franti or whoever, that's whoever, you know? And so I stopped lots of things. Um, no more TV, no more, nothing for like, no, I was off social media, I think for like three years over that time. And, um, yeah, and I just read and meditated and journaled and I just became obsessed with it. I did what I was telling other people to do, you know, and I thought to myself, it's not until I feel like I can express who I am in the form of music that I'm going to do anything else, you know, and that's when I wrote the, the title track, Transcendence, one day, and I... I just wrote this song. It just spilled out of me one day. And um, and I grabbed my partner, Felice, and I said, come and listen to this for a second. And it's like it's a long, sort of 10-minute song, and she just like stared out the window. It didn't look at me the whole time. I just played it on guitar. She turned back around and she looked at me and she just had tears coming down her face and she just went, I get it. I know what you mean. I know why you took the break now because the music ties in with the journey and it all kind of comes together. And I think what's important to me with this album as well is it's not just, there's some stuff that's controversial where it's like holding humanity to, to account, myself included, you know, where I'm, I'm pointing out, you know, some problems that we have in this world. But I think I also wanted to come up with answers as well. So there's a lot of music, a lot of art that poses, you know, this thing's fucked and that's what I wanted to point out. But I feel like I want to do the work as well, both personally and creatively to go, you know, this thing's fucked, but maybe this is what we can do about it. You know? So, yeah. Beautiful, dude. That's, that's just, and that's when I listen to it, there's not, it feels like it's on its own little island. It doesn't feel like you're trying to, there's no part of it to me that feels like it's for anyone else. Mm. You know, like it's it's not to for someone on SoundCloud to put you on a certain label or it's not 
it just feels like it is its own little phenomenon, yeah. you know? I, I am and, glad um, that I waited to book my face tattoo for tomorrow then because it would have been <laughs> weird if I was sitting here with the GB. It'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's falling into it. No, um, look, it's in, like, for example, the last song on the album, The Return. Um, yeah. You know, I wrote the first verse and chorus of that, you know, like in the chorus just being, you know, you're home now. And um, I didn't I didn't write it like um, the end, like I didn't write the rest of it for like two years after because essentially I wasn't home yet. I, I waited to write the rest of that song until I could be authentic around saying to myself, you are home now, you know, you, it's okay. And that's what that's about. It's, it's, yeah, like the first song, The Eagle, you know, I've become a soaring eagle flying overhead. I, yeah, I, oh man, that's so I, I'm, I'm, some, I'm a big fan of like not explaining a lot of stuff with music because I love the idea that people might listen to it and go, oh my God, that's, and they pl- apply their meaning to it, you know? Um, but by the same token, like, like that song, The Eagle, that's the song that can come across as like if people listen to it as if to say I'm saying to society and the world I'm going to rise above and you will not stand in my way because at the first line, you know, I've become a soaring eagle flying overhead. What that's about is that starts the album with an explanation of when I do that work, when I focus, I ground myself, I meditate, I do the things I know that work for me, to deal with mm-hmm. the what I have to take responsibility for in my own life. I, I've had moments and I regularly have moments when I feel that way and not just with society but with my own shit as well. I can see how I fit into that, my own triggers, my own pain, and I can see some, you know, myself on top of the mountain, um, yeah, above all of it. And I think that's what this album's about. It's just I've had music that has helped me even in times when I was younger and fucking suicidal, you know, and I've had music that helps that has thrust me into like into a whole new version of myself. Dude, it's it's like for me it's, um, you know, uh, when you spoke earlier about singing music was my thing that was my thing my dad gave me attention you know people at school were interested for me that was you know class clown humor comedy and I don't um I would actually say that uh for me the therapy a lot of people sort of like oh watch a bit of comedy and and you'll ground yourself the therapy for me always will be music it's it's so 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 powerful uh you know and and, you Mm. know like it's like a super jay-z fan in my 20s because I like, and you know, I listened to punk rock growing up, but it's this guy's story and, you know, his, his music was so congruently like, you can fucking change it. You can turn it around. And I like legit, I think a lot of the music I listened to in my twenties was the push to make all the changes, to go to therapy, to take my life seriously, to value myself. I think you're right, man. I think. And it's great to let your listeners apply meaning, but it's also beautiful to hear like 
the return two years until you finish that song it sounds like the process it was all about the process not the outcome with this yeah it's such an interesting thing too with music hey like or just anything that, that you're creative with how um like i can you know i guess that i guess the message i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say is like you know if if one person hears this and then that thrusts them into experiencing what i've been so fortunate to experience from finding the right mentors or the right music or the right message that i was looking for at the right time then that's enough for me not even enough for me that's ridiculous like then that is what i set out to achieve you know because i've always felt like you know it's kind of fucked up that like people get a platform to say whatever they want to the world and what they choose to say is check out my ass you know and that's there's a, i guess there's a, there's a place for that stay off my instagram there's, glenn benton i don't need your judgment there's a, there's a place for that there's a place for that but i think as well i think we need those who are willing to actually make their art provocative and and make it about something that will help humanity to evolve but at the same time i guess it's I can see how, you know, my own humanness in this stuff because, you know, I lo- uploaded my stuff onto Spotify and I immediately, you know, the, e- the ego just went crazy, you know. Ooh, let's see who, who li- let's see who likes it and all that type of, you know, it's like I have to acknowledge my own humanness in that way. I can talk about all this stuff, but I'm still just a guy that, like, you know, uploads some music on Spotify and goes, ooh, I hope people like it. You know, like I think we all have those parts of ourselves and they knowledge and oh i have days i i have days man and i'm like okay so i'm ending the podcast Mm. this is the crazy thing about the world we live in i literally have days and i go i'm shutting it down because i had 70 listeners on that episode that that is that is like you know if as a 15 year old someone said you could talk shit and make poo jokes and talk about mental health into a microphone and 70 people actually yeah. engage with that, I would have frothed. You know what I mean? Like the ego at the minute um, is tortured, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> of the climate we're living in. But you're, I, or the thing, the takeaway for me as a creative as well, and Jason Parker talked about this in our episode, and actually Steele, who was the MMA fighter, he spoke about this in regards to fighting in MMA. Process. Like, disconnect and get you've it's a, it's got to be about the actual work not about that outcome because that will eventually yeah. intersect yeah. at some point anyway right how do you feel about like well, a lot of creatives at the minute are kind of there's a like you mentioned there's a lot of creation yeah. for metric mm. well i watched a watched a dave Chappelle comedy special a while ago and Look, I mean, some some people might find some of his stuff pretty controversial, and I hundred percent acknowledge that he's not for everybody. Um, but what I did find really profound that he talked about was the need for us to look more at the system of which we've been thrust into, and that we've just been born into, to hold that to account more than those who do whatever they can to rise above within it. You know, and I just think that I just see people that are just doing. They're doing what they're trying to do to get that money, to try to survive, to try to thrive, 
you know, there's every, like, um, I think what you're doing is awesome because it brings levity to something that is historically very intense. And we need to do that. We need to be able to talk about mental health and our own sense of incompleteness sometimes with levity as well as intensity because some of the jokes that me and my brother and sister used to make when we were kids about the stuff we went through was kind of fucked up. Um, I still make jokes that I know for a fact would upset. uh, And this is my issue too with comedy, right, is that uh, Mm. I'm not all for cancel culture. Like, and, you know, I'm... Mm. As you've seen, I'm, I'm big on race issues. I don't like racism. I don't like the imp- oppression of Indigenous Australians. I don't like the oppression of African yeah. Americans. Yet mm. I have my favourite character, Adenigadimo. Hey, I'm Adenigadimo. Mm. You want to come to Summer Bay and we have a posata, <laughs> a little bit of, you know, a little agnelotti, things like this. And, mm. you know, I basically have this view that anyone that can be passed as white is up for grabs. I have a view that trauma can be very funny. You know, my dad's a pedophile. I've made a few pedophile jokes, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a delicate balance, yeah. that one too, you know, like, and, and this is my podcast, essentially. It's not going to be for everyone because some of it is, um, I'm glad it connects with you, but yeah, some of it's going to feel icky. Man, we've you know? done it over history, you know. I think that's one thing that I did a lot of over the past few years was read a lot of history i read this um actually that's not true i haven't finished it i'm about four-fifths through um a book um the history of western philosophy by uh sir bertrand russell and um it goes from the birth of what we know of of western philosophy so you know the the mesopotamians the ancient greeks and it takes you all the way up to when he was writing and is alive in, you know, the early 20th century, kind of, I think, 1920, I think, was when this book came out. And it takes, and it, it basically explains, like, the reason that philosophy was created was same part of the same reason politics were created by the ancient Greeks, and that was to try to prevent war, try to find a way that we could become more moral. But it had to do with, like, um, people were going out into the bush and uh, or into the forest in in these areas of Europe, and they were praying to Dionysus. And uh, it was around about the time when beer was created, um, and people were just going out into the forest and shagging. And, and then wine came along, and it got worse. Yeah, man. Why? Then wine came along, got worse, and they were like, "This is fun, having sex with each other. This is sick. What about we kill some people?" And then this is, and then. Basically, it was just, I think it just came from like a whole bunch of people. This this can't be right, can it? Like, I feel like we should be doing better than this. And from what I read in this, but that's kind of where philosophy came from. It came from this, this like sixth sense of our own moral expectations of ourselves to go, yeah, we probably shouldn't be combining orgies and murder, like <laughs> in the same party, <laughs> you know, and like, I think that's what it has helped me immeasurably and I can always tell that the, the difference between someone who's actually gone back through history and considered it in comparison to where we are now and people who are looking at the world in relation to the last 100, 150 years. We've already burned witches before. We've already, um, we've already had 
gladiators in the Colosseum. We've already crucified some dude who said he was the Messiah. We've we've tried all this shit before. Like, how about we try another way of doing it? I, I think I saw another episode of um, this podcast. Well, I can't remember the person who it was you had on, but they talked about Socratic questioning. And I'm a huge fan of Socrates. Yeah. One of the main things I try to live by is I'm one of the smartest people on earth because I know one thing to be true, and that's because that's that I know nothing at all. So you're questioning, we've tried murder, death, fuck orgies and booze, and mm. we're doing all this shit where, you know, this shit happening right now that has been happening for thousands of years, really. So your mm. your thinking is let's try questioning whether compassion, compassion mm. kindness and mm. intent is... An option is that the thinking yeah well, i feel like we're getting morally better like we're definitely we're definitely smarter and uh and i mean by that i mean like um societally smarter you know i think we're a better version of humanity than we were maybe 200 years ago um it it just seems like there's so many i think i said to you a couple of weeks ago i feel like there's so many versions of reality on the planet yours, mine, the next person, the next person. There's seven, 7 billion different versions of what this place is that that is, you know, the, the, the question arises of will we ever agree 7 billion times. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I see it kind of go forward, back, forward, back, forward, back, you know, where you know we're still doing we're you know we're still doing the same type of stuff to each other but we're still growing at the same time i i'm an optimist i do think things are getting better but i also a friend of mine said years ago we're a very young race in comparison to the history of the universe we are we are right on the edge of a pin we're we're just tiny in comparison to the history of the universe and we expect ourselves to be perfect because we've created these computers and stuff that can do really impressive shit, but we're still just, you know, humans. The thing is, is that individualized lifestyles aren't all negative because when you're in community, you do tend to get confirmation bias. You do tend to insulate yourself. And so I'd love to do an episode on that too, because I feel like as humans, we're yearning for it, but on the flip, we want to be challenged and we want to, as, as you said, right at the start of the sanitary podcast today, we want to continue transcending, you know? So we'll do another episode on that, but I, I, I just do want to say thank you so much for your mind. It gets me frothing at the tip of my soul. So I can't imagine what the listeners are going through right now. It's, it's um, been epic, mate. It, it's, it's funny because I do this type of stuff like in your seat from time to time in some of the work that I do and it's – was talking to someone the other week and they were like, oh, did I make any sense? I don't know. And I guess I kind of feel like that now. I, I'm, it's funny when you're the one in the, in the in this seat and you just kind of like, I don't know, I just hope I made sense. Um, I, I moved to this place where I live now um, a few years ago and we've got this incredible view here where we see um, these sunrises some days. That's the most epic, like the type of thing where you just feel like it's a gift from whatever made this place you know but what i've noticed after seeing a bunch of them is that they the best sunrises seem to come on the days where the weather is the harshest so like a nice spring day like it is today 20 degrees whatever it is um 
you know, the sun just kind of comes up. It goes, hey, it's daytime. Here I am doing my job. On the days when it's going to be really cold or the days when it's going to be really hot is the days when the the sun, the sunrises are the most epic experience. And I think that's what I like. I think, yeah, just to kind of, I guess, tie off what I'm trying to say with some of the messages of simplicity that can be seen in the universe is I think that's an example that the same spectrum of negative, positive, good, bad that we see in our own minds is reflected in the universe as well. And that for people that are going through the hardest time in their life right now, it's like your reflection of the universe, man. And if you can get that support, keep reaching out, keep doing the work, you know, you, 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 are putting yourself in the best possible position to become that sunrise. I don't know if that's too much of a cliche, but... This, the sun is never a cliche. The sun is the boss of us all. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, at the minute, everyone's big on the moon, so I'm actually I'm stoked that you gave the sun a little bit of time back in the limelight there. A hundred percent it made sense, and it was a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. And it is putting in the work, and, and that's the one thing that I, I don't want to bullshit anyone about. Uh, if you're going through severe pain emotionally, it's it's work to get out of it. It's work to get through it, yeah. and yeah. It, the dividends are twice fold. Yeah, but it, but you have to do it. Yeah, you have to do the work. So can I just ask this, G Money Benton? Where can these guys listen to Arnave? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first thing I'd say is don't Google me as Glenn Benson because I also happen to have the same name as, um, yeah, a dude that, um, yeah, I discovered in the 80s has um, a metal band called Deicide, which is the Latin name to kill God or the deity. He's like a super-duper Satanist. And, um, yeah, when I first started playing music, man, um, I used to promote myself as Glenn Benton and I would, you know, talk to these venue promoters and stuff and oh yeah man love to have you on heard the demo it's bad and then they you know and then i wouldn't hear from them and i'd call like two weeks later and go hey just checking in and they're like yeah you're not the right um you're not the right <laughs> and then i went to like you know i find the google you know i was like oh i see what's happening and i was like whoa you know that hectic metal um so don't google i have me. i have had a, and the funny thing for everyone listening that can't see yeah. glenn right now is you both have like brown longish hair yes and like yes. it's it is actually like if if you're not really looking at your computer and you're a, a, mm. a touring manager or booking venues yes. yeah so don't google me as glenn benton unless you know you you um you really really like satanic death metal um if because that's not me um Arnavai is like um yeah, is it, it can be found on uh, Facebook, on YouTube, on Spotify. I haven't really done the kind of website thing. Um, there's an album on on Spotify by the name of Transcendence, as 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 Bree said. Um, and there's there's more to come. I'm actually um, I'm working on some new stuff now. Um, but yeah, it's all over social media. And um, yeah, other than don't Google me, just um, yeah, go for it. For anyone who's keen to check it out, because it is fucking good music, and especially if you're, oh, I've just got to say it, dude, if you're 30 plus, I guarantee, if you're 30 plus and you went through the progressive rock delicious time that was our youth, it's going to hit some little emotional nooks and crannies. It It is an eargasm, is what it is. So 
Let me get this right. A-N-A-V-A-I-I-X. That's correct. Type yep. that into Instagram or Spotify. It definitely comes up on Spotify because that's where I've been listening to it. It's fucking yep. delicious, mate. Thank you for talking about mental health. And it's so epic to me to have someone that's intersecting, you know, psychotherapy practice, what mm. sacred geometry. Yeah. And music all at once. And we even managed to wedge in a bit of childhood trauma, which is brilliant. Not for us, mm. but for the people that now <laughs> have a normalized experience from talking about it. Yeah. So you're a legend. And I think let's do another. Do you want to do another sanitary podcast down the line for the people? I I would I would love that, man. You know me. I'm kind of like, you know, a, I'm kind of like a tap when it comes to this type of stuff. You can just turn the on button and I'll just kind of keep going. So, yeah, I can't talk for too much longer because I do have a beer orgy I have to get to. Uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and a face tattoo to do tomorrow, eh? Yeah, that's right. I've got a bit of stuff on. Um, I might look different. It'd be great if, like, next time I come on, I have kind of, you know, got face tattoos and the kind of rainbow hair. <laughs> like, oh, they got to you, son. They got to you. Um, no, I really appreciate it, mate. And I, I think it's just all – I we the more of this stuff, the better. Um, you know, and I, I really appreciate, yeah, you having me on. I think it's great what you're doing. 